Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. film we're discussing today we have uh, just done our games on film awards and the original mortal kombat got the best video game movie of all time award so we decided to finally arrive at its sequel we're doing mortal kombat annihilation This is in some ways a sort of lost episode of Games on Film because I think around about two years ago we were going to do Mortal Kombat Annihilation and then changed our minds because there was a new Mortal Kombat movie, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge, the animated feature, which was also from 2020. But that didn't stop me having to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, I dodged that bullet. And so actually the notes I made... For this episode, uh, I'm basically just using the notes I made two years ago. I noticed that you weren't doing much writing, and I was like scribbling away. <laughs> and, and now I realise, oh my goodness, you took notes as well. Uh, so yeah, um, it was uh, interesting revisiting Mortal Kombat Annihilation for the podcast, but obviously this is the first time that we're talking about it in detail was it, today? Like, was it like slipping into some comfortable shoes, but with actually glass in them? <laughs> yeah, uh, slipping into some shoes that have been left out in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right out front, we know this one's got a reputation. And I kind of want to find as much positive stuff in this as I can. I mean, I'm sure there's other podcasts or videos where you can talk about how this is a bad movie. I mean, I think it frequently features in like the top ten worst movies of all time certainly yeah i i think the the climb down reputation wise from the from the first film which as you say in our hundredth episode we awarded it i think three separate awards yes i think it was best film best paul ws anderson film and best island (laughs) (laughs) the most coveted category in all the games on the film I awards mean, i rewatched the first one just this morning um in preparation for watching the second and i was like yeah this is pretty nice pretty sweet <laughs> and just generally a pretty sweet movie um but what marked mortal kombat annihilation out i suppose from its predecessor is that it was only released two years after the first film which was you know, a big success for New Line Cinema at the time. It did very well, um, generally speaking, I think, on a, on a term- relatively small budget. Yeah, in terms of Mortal Kombat movies, it's up there. <laughs> um, but uh, so this film was kind of, in a way, I suppose, rushed into production and looking at sort of behind the scenes what happened in relation to uh, the development of this film there are certain kind of like signs that 
it maybe didn't get off to the right sort of footing. So Paul W.S. Anderson declined. He kind of said all he wanted to say about <laughs> Mortal Kombat. But he has said, I think, that he regrets doing that. And that's why he stayed with the Resident Evil franchise. Even though he didn't direct all of them, he was the producer and I think maybe writer in the bunch of ones. I mean, he was never far away. Yeah. But he washed his hands of this one to create Event Horizon, which I think is a great movie. But with uh, Mortal Kombat, uh, so there was a, there's a good chapter on Mortal Kombat movies in general, and particularly with a focus on Mortal Kombat Annihilation in, as we've mentioned before, Lights, Camera, Game Over, um, the book by Luke Owen, who appeared on our podcast back in episode 40. We're now on episode 101. I know. But there Video was... Game Movies 101. <laughs> Video Game Movies 101. How to do them or how not to do them? Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> both um so with mortal kombat annihilation uh it's directed by john r leonetti who was the director of photography for mortal kombat 1995 and actually is like uh a very good cinematographer and has done a lot of work before and since particularly on the sort of james wan horror movies stuff like sort of insidious and things and and since directing Mortal Kombat Annihilation, he has gone on to direct Annabelle, which was the... Uh, which one is that? Is that Insidious or Sinister? Isn't Annabelle spit-off, a spit-off? <laughs> a spin-off from the Conjuring movie? Conjuring. Okay. I knew it was one of those. Um, so he directed Annabelle. He also directed The but- Butterfly Effect 2. Um, and I think most recently The Silence, which was that... Everyone's Gone Deaf movie with Stanley Tucci on I've Netflix. I've seen that one. It sounds like a film. <laughs> it sounds like a movie. Um, so, you know, he's he's recovered, I, I, I suppose, from from this. Um, but the producer, Lawrence Kasanoff, who owned the Mortal Kombat properties at the time through his company, Threshold Entertainment, um, basically, because everyone had done such a good job on the first film, he decided to basically promote everyone. Mm. So director of photography became the director of the film and, you know, people in smaller roles on the first film were upgraded to larger roles in this film. And kind of as a result of maybe that decision and probably a whole bunch of other things, um, schedules overran, budget overran, a lot of stuff from the original script got cut and there just wasn't really enough coverage um, to sort of paper over the gaps i think they kind of focused on obviously the fights which is what more combat's known for um and less so working out dialogue and character and what the hell's going on most of the time I definitely got this image of like the guy who's bringing the coffee around to everyone in the first film doing the cgi for this <laughs> and being like oh geez but that was the thing so like not that mortal kombat one had the greatest vfx in the world the kind of reptile cg character is notable for that but the vfx in this film apparently didn't even have like a second pass and when they kind of presented it to new line they were just like it's fine we'll just go with it because they had a a release date to release they thought it's the mortal kombat name first film did so well fans will come and see this one and they'll swallow any old crap um that we present to them so i think the film as we see it and enjoy it in quotation marks to this day um, is maybe not the definitive product, mm. but I don't think we're going to get Mortal Kombat Annihilation the director's I cut. Know, 
I was hearing, I, was, I had dollar signs in my eyes before, <laughs> oh, special edition. Maybe a 25th anniversary? Um, is it been? Yet? Or is it? No. I think. 1997. Do, do not look at me to do the sums. <laughs> I was trying to work out if 97 was two years after 95 just a minute ago. Oh, maybe 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary. <laughs> I was saying before we recorded this episode that this is, I think, the second time we've watched this together. Because I'm sure we definitely watched it together when it, on video. It was never a, um, it was never on regular rotation as was the original Mortal Kombat. I think we probably had a, a recording of it taped off Channel 5 that maybe oh. we watched once. <laughs> yeah, we probably recorded over like Diana's funeral or something with Mortal Kombat. Annihilation. I don't know why my mind went there. I was thinking of treasured memories, which sounds even worse. Let's just move on. Um, yeah, 97 was a big year. Um... <laughs> Did I sideswipe you with going dark there? But the, the, So the concept of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, because the first film left off with a big cliffhanger. Was that like a last minute edition? I don't know whether it was. I think it was just like a little... You know, a fun little tease, but also I think because Mortal Kombat 3 had come out mm-hmm. at that time and the plot of Mortal Kombat 3, Mortal Kombat Annihilation sort of pits on in the sense that I think that game, it introduces a hell of a lot more characters and to a certain extent, Annihilation stuffs the screen with as many different characters from the roster as possible. Um, but does it feature a sort of similar the emperor doesn't care about the rules no more he's invading earth i think so because i think a lot of the stages are on earth but with like you know purple portals in the background okay um which i assume is the merging as is the case in this film of outworld and earth realm creating a sort of hell on earth style scenario which i think was also when we talked about the mortal kombat animated tv show that was kind of like fairly you know part of the plot playing with that portals are a big thing in mortal kombat at least the (laughs) films it's so funny having watched the first film this morning and you kind of just got to give things a pass sometimes because in the first film you really get a sense that the emperor will not defy the rules ever and even katana says things like the emperor in his wisdom knows that mortal kombat is the only way to gain the, the keys to earth that's what it is, like a Yale lock. But in this one, he, he acts a bit differently to what he's described as being. Yeah, it's... it's. Um, I, I think they kind of explain it away very much in a Rise of Skywalker, somehow <laughs> Palpatine has returned. And this is somehow Shao Kahn has broken the rules. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny how rules-orientated this, this series is, but... I don't know, I guess that creates stakes when, like, literal gods are saying these are the rules. I mean, Shane Tsung sort of bent the rules a little bit, or at least it was within the rules in the first film when he retreats to Outworld. But it's like one of those kind of footnote rules, like, in the event this happens, will it add this rule at a later stage? But it won't happen, so we won't tell you about it right up top. What happens is when Johnny Cage... Art tells Shang Tsung, I want to fight Goro ahead of my friends. Shang Tsung says, yeah, okay, as long as I can fight the winner 
in a place of my choosing, and I also get to choose who I fight. And like Johnny Cage is like, yeah, that doesn't sound suspicious. <laughs> um, I guess should we talk a bit about how these there's a big change of cast in this film. Uh, the only two people to return is Robin Shu and um Lady Plays Katana Talisa Soto. Yeah. And I'm happy they're here, but everyone else well, I, mean, I don't know how how far do we get into spoilers at this stage? Well, Johnny I... Cage is not back. <laughs> Categorically not. Uh, yeah, and like, I think it was the case that there was maybe budgetary concerns, people wanting more money for sequels, etc. <laughs> I think I also... read I read there were script concerns, and so maybe the monetary thing was like Christopher Lambert won't do this for a billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I won't do it for all the money on earth. It's like, oh, can we can we get the money, all the money on earth to get Christopher Lambert to be in this film? Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so look down the back of the sofa. I think lots of people have lots of reasons for not returning, and script is maybe a deciding factor. But hey, you know, we're not going to pass judgment on it. But I think, I think you know, based on what cast members who did not return have said, you know. It, I think there's an in, in the um, in the lights camera game over, but Lyndon Ashby, who played Johnny Cage in the first film, said something along the lines of, "Like it, the audience fell in love with the characters. It'd be like if you made Empire Strikes Back and Han Solo was played by a different actor." And I think that's giving maybe too much credit for Mortal Kombat and people's love of characters and also comparing Han Solo to Johnny Cage and also Lyndon Ashby to Harrison Ford as much as I enjoy his performance and character um, but but I think he's right no I mean re-watching that film earlier again it is the characters that you fall in love with and I think I think in the last episode I said the fights still hold up they on second viewing, they they still they're still pretty good. It's better than what we get here, but um, I think it's definitely the characters which pulls you through. I, I love the the sass of Johnny Cage and and they they spark off each other. The three leads. I'm saying they are as good as Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Princess Leia, and Han Solo. And I, would that make? I guess Christopher Lambert would be Obi Wan. Who would be our Chewie? I'm gonna say Reptile. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, but there is, there is a problem, I think, having that disconnect, the, the, the fact that this film follows so directly from the original, picking up the cliffhanger, you know, not quite identically, because half the cast have changed their face in the seconds in between. And I read, and also their clothes <laughs> as well. They've all, a lot of them have changed their clothes. Um, but I think, yeah, that, that con- continuity whatever strengths or weaknesses that Mortal Kombat Annihilation has, I think that that really doesn't help matters. It really kind of sets the whole film kind of leaving on the wrong foot. And I think similarly as well, um, replacing Christopher Lambert as Raiden, again, you know, it's, it's not necessarily essential to have him here and i wouldn't say you know james remar i think would have been fine as raiden if he was in the first film and in this film but when you're kind of like 
putting him immediately up against Christopher Lambert in the first film. And here it's sort of, again, that, that disconnect, which never quite, you know, never quite settles you. Are you saying there can be only one? There can be only one. Uh, I feel bad for James Remar though, because I just know him as the guy who is also almost in Aliens. I think he was (laughs) shot, had a few scenes in Aliens, if any, he was fired or something and was replaced by Michael Biehn. So... I, de- I think I was even aware of that when I saw this film for the first time and thinking, well, he's got the Mortal Kombat franchise to fall back on and that didn't really happen. I mean, I think actually recasting actors is not bad in of itself. And I think actually Hollywood is far too um, worried about recasting actors and we end up with like sequels where there's so much work done to justify a character not being there or that sort of nonsense. I think the problem is the new cast aren't terribly great. And what I think more that the new characters aren't terribly well acted. I don't know, but I think we'll get into that a bit more a bit later, but I think it's just sad to see like Johnny Cage. I'm going to spoil this very start of the film. Just go like, go out like a punk. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it really kind of, going straight from the end the jubilant end of the first film to like Johnny Cage dying five minutes later it's just very sad this is where he fell down (laughs) (laughs) I guess what it wants to do is states oh my god any of the characters can die and that's what it's trying to do but I think what it does is just like oh these this team you liked in the first film oh we're just gonna like ice one of them and that's just going to put a kind of sad taste in your mouth for yeah. the rest of the movie. And I guess that's be also if, if Christopher Lambert was here, I think maybe you'd, you'd feel it more. I don't know. Or like all oh, the original Sonya. I think that's the thing. Is they, they're effectively new characters, even though they're, they're meant you know, not by name, but by actors. And so you really don't care if they die. Yeah, you don't really warm to them. As much because I, I I still think Robin Shu as Liu Kang is is like a really charismatic, yeah, engaging lead. He feel it feels like he has less to do in this film, sadly, even though he is nominally the lead. I think because the characters are split up quite a lot of the time and it is just mainly fights, there's very little for him to really kind of like you know latch on to as a performer. Um I mean, Which is a shame. The first film is Enter the Dragon, but supernatural elements. It's got a lot of focus. It's just, it's just winning a tournament. I know there's a bit of a digression. As, and also, what is a tournament in Mortal Kombat <laughs> is, the, is the usual joke. But this is a bit all over the place. And as you say, yeah, three also story strands. And so we get to spend less time with um, Liu Kang. And there's like a more... There was more personal stakes as well for Liu Kang. He didn't want to just defeat Shang Tsung to win the tournament and save Earth. There was like a personal vendetta against him as well. So, yeah. I think Robin Shu was also doing fight choreography for this film as well. So I think even in some of his martial arts fights, he's replaced by Tony Jaa, who we now know for Ong Bak and of really cool Thai martial arts films. So, uh, yeah, in, in short, I agree. <laughs> Actually, yeah, like, so Tony Jaa, um, this is, like, maybe his first kind of, like, action movie or something. He's uncredited, 
but apparently, as you say, was a stunt double for Liu Kang. And I think sort of rounding out sort of some of the cast members. So you have um, stunt actor J.J. Perry um, plays Cyrat's Scorpion and Noob Sabot, I believe, at different points of the film. And he is a stunt coordinator in general, but he's actually directing his first movie. He's directing Day Shift, the Jamie Foxx vampire movie on Netflix coming soon. Okay. You have Keith Cook, who was one of the only other cast members from the first film. He was Reptile and now makes an appearance as Sub-Zero's little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, joining the cast as well, you have two American gladiators. You have Darren McBree, who was the gladiator Malibu. Right. And he plays Motaro, the centaur. Oh, is he actually a centaur? Yeah. And um, funnily enough, he also appeared in a 1994 movie with Sonny Chiba and Roddy Piper called Immortal Combat. Ooh. And he also made a very good appearance as a wrestler called Thor in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 2, which I enjoy. Um, and one of the other... Um, the other former American gladiator is Lynn Red Williams, who plays Jax, who... It does appear briefly, not the actor, but the character in the first film. Mm. And here he just makes his bionic arm appearance. And, you know, actually, I think he's maybe the strongest of the new characters. He doesn't really get to do a lot apart from quips. And, well, moan, especially. I wrote in my notes. He's meant to be like a major. And I've never, I've never seen so many Such a whiny bitch. Whiny bitch! <laughs> I don't know. I, I sort of feel like the Jats character is a is a, sort of a tricky one to realise in live action because he has stupid bionic arms. Well, I actually I quite like the design of the arms in this one. I think I prefer his arms in this to the new one which came out in twenty twenty one. But on this rewatch, I noticed how his arms are in, are covered in metal apart from his fingers. <laughs> so I can imagine like. The first time he punches some punk, all his fingers break. <laughs> yeah, he's got all this strength powering his arm. And then, like, as soon as his fingers make contact with what he's smashing, mm. like, whether it's a concrete wall or a robot's face. Or his own arms. <laughs> that's going to hurt. I know. I was thinking, how does he do delicate things? And then I looked closer at his fingers. I like, know oh, his fingers are there. Like, pluck a flower and smell it. Yeah, he can do all that. He can itch, itch something on someone. <laughs> You can you do the pull your finger thing, but um, yeah, all the other arm stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get too bogged down in plot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate the design. I'm not so sure about his characterization. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, I sort of enjoyed what he was doing, mm -hmm. regardless. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get into the other characters and plot as we move into the film. But maybe we should queue up the film and then discuss our own thoughts. Yeah. Shao Kahn, Emperor of Outworld. The Earth was created in six days, so too shall it be destroyed! Your planet and Outworld have begun to merge into one realm. Think of it as hell on Earth. I thought our victory closed those portals. If I am correct, your mother Sindel is the key to all of this. By reuniting you with her, Kha's spell will be broken. This is the beginning of the end! 
Dragon's portals stay open. Pretty cool, huh? Raiden? It's a new look. the back of the video box is just the list of the characters because that's what we're watching it for yes oh i see a tagline what's the tagline well the front of the box says the sequel to the box office smash okay doesn't which do, one it doesn't say <laughs> it doesn't say it's a box office smash itself uh because in the end it um it opened at number one in the box office the us box office oh do you know what was number two uh no okay i but, just wonder if it's a strong week it beat Titanic. <laughs> but I think it dropped to number six the following week. So it didn't hold on very long. And in the end, it made a total of $51 million worldwide from a $30 million budget. But that was half of what the first film made. So mm. bit of a, not a full flop, but... <laughs> Just like El Dente. <laughs> um, the second tagline on the front of the box is, You ain't seen nothing yet. Is that a double negative? Is that what we call it? You ain't seen nothing. Yeah. So, so you have seen something. You've seen it's everything. Good to know. <laughs> you've seen it all before. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the video box? You've seen this all before. We don't know why we bother. <laughs> uh, instead of special features, it says added value trailer. Oh. Okay. I haven't watched that yet. I'm going to save that for a rainy day. A non-stop edge-of-the-seat thriller says mate, M8. M M and the number eight? Yes. Is that a magazine? I'm going to assume so. (laughs) Unless it's someone saying, a non-stop edge-of-the-seat thriller, mate. Or maybe it's a robot from Star Wars. There's got to be an M8 out there somewhere. They're back, and they're not playing games. Yeah, yeah. They're not. At no point does um, anyone gather around a Mortal Kombat arcade machine. Raiden would have been saying video games are stupid. It's the one reason why we haven't enlightened you. Because, <laughs> because of stupid video games. Turn to the audience. And all you out there, I hate you all. I just hate people. Anyway, carry on. Mortal Kombat Annihilation begins, in every way, where the blockbuster adventure Mortal Kombat left off. This time, though, with more spectacular fight sequences more astonishing special effects, and the whole world as an arena for battle. They are astonishing astonishing. effects. A band of fearless fighters have defeated the evil warlords of the Outworld, but Shao Kahn, the feared emperor of Outworld, breaks the sacred rules of Mortal Kombat and arrives on Earth with his extermination squads to conquer and eliminate anything that stands in his way. Now the warriors 
just James Remar was in the Warriors. Oh. Must fight enemies more powerful than any they have ever encountered before. Is is that it? Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I've watched it now. I can't. <laughs> so I can't say that's maybe want to watch it because I've watched it. So, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, widely regarded as one of the worst sequels of all time, widely regarded as one of the worst video game movies of time. But Harry. What do you think about Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Okay, so it is bad, but <laughs> I think this might get one of my coveted Golden Turd Awards because I think we were getting to the end of this rewatch and I was thinking about how this was the second time we probably watched this together. Uh, maybe I was getting a bit sentimental, but I was also thinking, will I want to watch this film ever again? Like, I own the DVD. Why would... If I own a DVD, I intend to watch it again. So am I? I think the answer is yes. I think there will be times, maybe when I'm having like a dark night of the soul. Or you can't find the original film <laughs> on DVD. Yeah, this, this is this is almost... This is, I've seen it all before. It's exactly the same. Um, it's, it is bad, right? It's bad, it's bad. But there's something about it. Maybe it's because it's just got all the characters just shoved in your face, regardless of logic... I would say like a lot of the fights in this film just actually bogged the whole thing down because a lot of the fights are not as well choreographed. There's a lot of slow-mo. It's mainly people being thrown into walls. Yeah. I mean, actually... It's just like constantly just like slow-mo of someone flying into a wall and falling back down. And that's something you see in films a lot. And really, really, if you get thrown against a brick wall, it does do damage to you. (laughs) Um, I read read in IMDb that if you added up all the backflips, front flips and side flips together, there are a total of 54 of them present in the film. (laughs) I'm like, wow, someone's got a little clicker. There's, There's not a moment that none of the characters won't pass up the opportunity to front flip into a sequence like they won't it's just like how do i get from a to b i'm just gonna front flip it to make an entrance when shower khan arrives i mean it's so funny how this was directed by a cinematographer because a lot of her direction is just not very interesting and like shower khan the actor who plays him brian thompson brian thompson who i know from the x-files and and i think he must have been i'm sure he's been in star trek but whenever he's like standing there with his hands on his hips he just looks kind of tiny, but he's a giant man, really. He just looks daft, and... It's it's funny, because, yeah, he's like... He put, he was the villain in Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone film. He gets um, iced by Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator, along with Bill Paxton, right at the start of that Oh, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, spoiler territory for, <laughs> for Terminator. He terminates and, punks, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah, he, he's meant to have all this presence, but he sounds like and looks really weedy. And, like, he spends most of the film just shouting everything! But also, like, apologising to his dad quite a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, the Emperor is hinted at in the first film. The Emperor is described as all-powerful, and it really bummed me out that he was just, like, a weak sort of crybaby boy, <laughs> as you kept calling him, a muscly boy. <laughs> oh, my muscly son. And... We, Shang Tsung is so wonderful in the first film, and though he lost out to Rao Julia's uh, and Bison in in our awards last episode, 
I also realized that another reason why I prefer M. Bison is that he is the end boss, but Shang Tsung is second fiddle to the emperor again. So we get to meet this emperor and like the first thing the emperor does when he arrives is he says the earth was created in six days and I shall destroy it in the same mount. He cites the Christian religion and like he's got elder gods for dads and like Raiden is there. He's like a god of thunder. It's like, that's a very strange thing to say, <laughs> but I, I get sidetracked. So maybe it's my deep love of Mortal Kombat and this time of my life where I can't be too disappointed in it. It's, it's, it's vastly worse than the first film. Um, I think it was probably well-deserved of its reputation and for killing any Mortal Kombat films for the longest time. But um, this just about is so bad, it's good. And I do delight in some of its just random choices. Like, you know, Nightwolf shows up, tells Liu Kang he's got to pass three tasks. Then, like, you never see Nightwolf again. And I think Liu Kang disappears as well. I can imagine Nightwolf returning to the camp and is like where's where did Liu Kang go <laughs> there's too many characters that's trying to stuff in from the games yes. that they just like appear and disappear whenever it's like no longer required for it, their presence it doesn't help that half of these new characters who, from the games they're just different palette swapped versions of ninjas we know already what do you think about this <laughs> yeah I, I've got it <sighs> I've got a degree. <laughs> so I've got a degree of fondness for this film, but I, I think the fact that it tries to stuff in so much from the games is both its strength and its weakness, because the film itself is really flimsy, and it was clearly a rush job. Clearly, not much attention or money was put into it. I wouldn't say they did the best they could, but. I think they're trying a, li <laughs> a, a little bit. They're trying. It's 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 a rush job, but I don't think the makers are necessarily you know seen it as a pure cash grab. Whereas I think the producers probably were, if that makes sense. The thing is, it kind of like it looks like Mortal Kombat. It sounds like Mortal <laughs> Kombat, but it ain't Mortal Kombat. At least you know the first film. The music is like less good versions of the music from the first film the the fights the sets the choreography everything is just like diet versions of the stuff that we enjoyed first time round and it has its little moments it has its little tricks but it's just this kind of like it just sort of washes over you and only when there is like some really awful visual effects do, do I kind of perk up and obviously that's not the intention of the film but yeah, it's like, it, it, there's just like the middle section of the film is just boring. Mm. It's just this kind of like, not very good fight sequence after not very good fight sequence. There's too many kind of betrayals, backstabbing. Shao Kahn is so delighted that everyone has fallen for his trick. <laughs> and he just spends this whole film. It's like, the mortals have fallen for my trick. And it's just like, I don't really care what his trick is. It's just... He's trying to make them fall into a trap, but luring them to Outworld, but Outworld's taking over Earth, and you know, also, I, I guess we're into spoiler territory now, but well, it's just, I guess, I don't know, is this a spoiler to say? His, his plan is to take over Earth, and 
Oh yeah, let's just say spoilers. I mean, <laughs> you find. I mean, is it worth watching? Is what I guess what I want to say before we go into spoilers. Oh boy, if you want to see what f- films were like in 1997, <laughs> you, your choice is the, is Titanic <laughs> <laughs> or Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and I think they both represent cinema. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cinema. If you know what you're getting yourself into, if you're you don't go in there expecting to enjoy anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it, you don't enjoy it, you experience it. As video game movies go, it is pretty video gamey in the sense that it is just know this character from the game, here they are, and they're fighting now, just like in the game. And I mean that's what Marvel that's movies it. do, like a character shows up, here's the character. Alright, bye then. <laughs> bye, see you next yeah, time. This whole film is basically like the the mid-credit mid-credit sequence, sequence of a Marvel movie, yeah, but for who, ninety minutes. Like the last three or so Marvel movies, like, just introduce a character like for no reason at the end. <laughs> but uh, yeah, speaking of spoilers, let's go into spoiler territory. In six days, you will all bow to me. It has begun. Uh, you were talking a bit about like budget constraints, and I think a big struck against this movie, even though you're talking about states at the start with the killing of Johnny Cage, this is meant to be Shao Kahn invading Earth, and Earth seems to be populated by like 20 or less people. Like we don't and there's extermination squads, and the extermination squads are like the worst extermination squads I've ever seen. They're like Power Ranger, are they putties they're fighting? Yeah, that I but I think they're meant to be coming after primarily mm. Earth's mightiest heroes, um, the Mortal Kombat it's squad. It's such a funny idea that like that there's like no military presence whatsoever. I mean, I guess there's some lip surface paid to the idea that the merging is merging people into this world. I don't know about that. I think it just means that we see the Eiffel Tower uh, like popping into Outworld for some reason at some point. And also explains why most of this film takes place in like a quarry in Wales. Yeah. <laughs> I I just don't get a sense that this is the end of the world because it does it seems like such a small amount of people. The end of the world is represented primarily by doing blue screen sky replacement where it's clearly filmed outdoors, but they don't have the budget to really properly blue screen or green screen it. You really have to like interpret what's going on. It's like presenting all these visual effects at you, like particularly at the very start where Raiden and Shao Kahn are having a fight. Uh, in the uh, Temple of Light, which has now been invaded by Outworld. That Temple soldiers. of Light sequence is like the worst first step you could ever make <laughs> in a film. It's like stepping out of a train barefoot onto some dog turds with nails in it and having to walk all the way home. <laughs> yeah, for the duration of the movie. Um, like this, yeah, the, so the sky's got all these sort of purple clouds. You have Raiden's lightning effects, you have Shao Kahn's green skull dash energy you have just like i don't know attempts to do what's it called jj abrams lights flares lens flares lens flares jj but... abrams lights is their official <laughs> name but we us around here call them lens flares <laughs> but you just have it's like trying to paper over the the cracks and it's it's distracting but not in like 
any good way. And I think just the whole film has that aesthetic. Yeah, there's some sets I enjoy. <laughs> Maybe it's like crumbly sets lit by flames, but that's damning a very, very faint praise. Um... And I think also it's like an attempt to try and make the moves from the game. Like when Johnny Cage does try to save Sonya from Shao Kahn and, and you know, dies. He does, he called, what's his, I can't remember the name of his special move. But he does like a kick and it sort of creates... Shadow kick. I yeah, think it like might be sort called. of an effect. It looks dump. <laughs> yeah. And I think any attempt to do that in this film, just anything they try fails. <laughs> well, I do like the bit when Sonya Blade picks up um, some sort of volatile dust on the from the ground and she blows it at one of the robot ninjas. Which one I think that's Cyrax. Cyrax and and that ignites him. And I don't care about a robot. I don't think should be affected by fire. The Terminator, he wouldn't go into some fire and go, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah. That, that's her fatality. I mean, also, this is like a completely bloodless film. I know the yes. first film wasn't a gore fest, but this was definitely a, a lo- I don't think you get any blood in this film. Well, I, th- I think actually you were sort of asking the question, what is the best fight in the movie? What's your favourite fight? Mm. And I think actually... The sequence where Sonya rescues Jats from this bio-military facility in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> she, um, she, she discovers Jax strapped to a table with metal arms and she says, what have you done this time? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is he, is he just really just body augmentation? But I, I think that sequence is maybe my favourite fight sequence. Not because the fight choreography is actually particularly strong but just i'm always a sucker for like an action sequence in a lab and (laughs) in terms of gory stuff you do have uh one of the ninja outworld punks getting sort of melted into a skeleton he turns into a cgi skeleton but yes i quite enjoyed he looked quite surprised like (laughs) oh i didn't expect this this morning so what that lacks in polish um it makes up for and in just a bit of fun and at one point Jax's mega bionic arms he punches so hard his arm just gets stuck in concrete for a, a time and there's like this look the camera gives him like stuck just like oh dear what oh. you done now Jats? i think my favorite fight but like all the fights are pretty shit my favorite might be sub-zero versus scorpion just because it's good to see those two fight despite the fact that one um, it's not actually the same Sub Zero from the first film. It's the little brother of the Sub Zero from the first film, and then I, I, I'm going to have to separate canon for a minute here because, like, Scorpion's back and he exploded in the last film, and I know again he he they do the fight and got... then both sub zero and scorpion disappear never to show again this is what i'm saying it's like overstuffed and i think sub zero he's a different sub zero he's on the side of angels and i could really use your help sub zero and then no he's got a split like a banana split because of the ice no gone <laughs> <laughs> although when scorpion does kidnap katana he says his iconic video game line suckers I couldn't believe I I heard that. Oh man, I quite like the iconography of seeing Sub Zero and Scorpion fight, but it's bullshit all the way through. <laughs> we do get a a tiny bit of is it the 
is it Lunatic Calm, that roller coaster song? I wanna take you on a roller coaster, oh, which was like so. in every trailer. Well, I just in the late nineties, early two thousands. Is this you... the first time it's used in cinema? <laughs> I mean, used to do. It's just like All Star by Smash Mouth originally been in Mystery Men, not Shrek. Oh gosh. I mean, I think a lot of the same drum loops are being passed around. <laughs> Everyone was using the same digital music technology. Um, I quite liked the music in this, but I agree because it's, it's, it's shit. But there's something I liked about it. But, but, all my recommendations of this film so far is like, this bit I liked, but it's shit. This <laughs> bit liked, but it's shit. You must go. There will be others. I killed you in the tournament. You killed my older brother. So why did you help us? I helped her. Because legend has it, the princess is the key to stopping Khan's plot. You've been following us. Why? Two days ago, Khan reprogrammed Smoke to come after you instead of me, in order to keep you apart from Queen Sindel. All right. So how do we get to Nightwolf now? We have a common enemy, Sub-Zero. You must help us with your powers if you want to stop Khan. Let's hope you succeed. This is like stuffed with lots and lots of fight sequences and none of them particularly memorable or good. You know, you get the odd funny backflip here or you get the sort of weird kick there. But, (laughs) you know, when you're talking about, oh my God, it's Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. It's like, oh my God, like these characters fighting. Oh my God, Raiden's fighting in this film. He wasn't really fighting in the last film. Um, What you actually get is just really kind of weak lemon drink um but the the general plot well we talked about the general plot but what the characters sort of split up and they need to go to different parts of the world in order to do their tasks so sonia needs to find jets yeah okay just for for, for no reason (laughs) raiden sets them on the way you must find jacks why what does jacks bring to the (laughs) table uh lou and kitana they go off to see Nightwolf and Raiden's off to speak to the Council of the Elder Gods and be like, what the hell's going I really on? think they should, he should have gone to the Elder Gods first. <laughs> but it's weird, it's like when he shows up with the Elder Gods, their response, he says, you must know that Shao Kahn has broken the rules of Mortal Kombat that you set. And their response is very much like, eh. it's like, you know, Earth can do what they want. <laughs> like, well, gosh, he could have basically broken the rules centuries ago then, obviously. <laughs> but, I mean, we get there's a vague impression that Shao Kahn's dad, who we learn as Shinnok, who in the games is like a wizard. He Shinnok also in this film is the dad of Raiden, we learn, and for some, for some reason. <laughs> and, I mean, I know how 
the, the birds and the bees. I don't know if that applies to gods. Just imagine a giant bird and a massive star-sized bee. Those Greek legends are fucked up. <laughs> um, but yes, like they split up, and the way they travel to different corners of the world apparently is through the Velosphere. Yes. Which is basically like a sexy zorb um, mm-hmm. that you have to like be in as a or couple. One of those balls from the gladiators you'd run around in. Yeah. So yeah. That's American gladiators again. Um, there should have been a line where Jax is like, I know this. <laughs> he didn't get to ride in the. Well, we didn't see him in the zorb. No. I guess we Sonya only... and Jax zorbed their way mm. to um, the Council of the Elder Gods. Yeah. They say. You go so fast, it doesn't feel like you're moving, which I think is bullshit. <laughs> I think you'd be liquidized. If there was a bit, I mean, you always hear techno music when they're in them, and I can imagine Liu Kang saying, like, is, is the techno really necessary? <laughs> and then Kitana's like, yes. Yes, don't touch my music. It definitely looks like something that you would have paid five pounds to go on for like three and a half minutes at the Trocadero in the 90s. Yeah, I got three tokens. Is that enough? No, it's four. Ah, <laughs> oh, you can buy a set of ten tokens. No, I wanted just one token. Now he only comes in sets of tens. Ah! Liu Kang stamps his foot and goes away. But Liu Kang's sort of mission... So after Katana gets kidnapped by Scorpion and, and taken, I guess, to Atwell, but we don't see Scorpion again, but we see Shao Kahn and his generals. Yeah. Which are Shiva... Motaro the centaur. Rain? I think Rain. Like, but Shao Kahn kills Rain because Rain didn't get Striker, who we never see. Or Cabal. Or Cabal. Shao Kahn says, did you get them to beg? And then Rain says, no. (laughs) And then he's cast into fire. It would have been funny if rain being water-based put him out, put out the fire, and it would just be down in this little pit. There's a lot of fire circling this meeting room. It's, it's very much like Dr. Evil. Yes. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, I just half expected rain, sort of saying, I'm very badly burned. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I mean, Shao Kahn spends a lot of time in this throne room, and I was thinking, gosh, if I had a throne room, what would it look like? Did I put, like, lots of skulls and fire and everything everywhere? Probably not be like nice bean bag or my Funko Pops. <laughs> uh, but like in- instantly, when he does kill Rain with his big hammer, um, and you know, I'm sorry pro- if it's not Rain. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Crocaying him into the pit of fire, he does say, "I have no use for excuses," which is what his dad said to him oh. in the previous scene, which suggests some like suggests daddy he read issues. the script. <laughs> Or he just accidentally said someone else's line. <laughs> <laughs> Which page are we doing again? <laughs> Look, so I remembered why <laughs> Liu Kang and Katana was in the Zorb. Because I don't, I, I don't know, I can't remember how the subject of Nightwolf came out, came up. But I do think Raiden says to Liu Kang, you can't defeat Shao Kahn in your state. You need to learn something. But, you know, his fight, Raiden fighting Shao Kahn, it's like Shao Kahn just ran at him a bit quickly <laughs> and made Raiden fly. I, I think the other thing is that the way that Shao Kahn exploited the rules was by resurrecting Katana's mother, Queen Sindel. And they keep it's explaining like, that she's the key. Yeah, it's like a key master gatekeeper Ghostbusters thing where it's just like, Either they need to be together or they need to be apart. 
And I think... So who's her gatekeeper? Kitana and Sindel need to be together together. to stop Shao Kahn, I think. But, of course, the introduction of Queen Sindel probably has one of the most famous Mm -hmm. exchanges in video game movies. Yes. And I think we need a clip. (laughs) And in case there isn't a clip... (laughs) Brother... You're alive. Too bad you will die. Okay, we've we've got big bogs down in the plot a little bit. We're going to park the plot for a moment, such as it is. Let's have a little chat about Sindel. Do we we like a very OTT performance on this podcast? We like our villains. What do we think of Sindel? I I personally can't pin down if I'm really enjoying her campy performance or if i just think she's really annoying and shit (laughs) i think it's it's hard because i think if she was the main villain and she was given what shao khan got to do i think she'd really be like Mm. a top tier best villain because we don't have too many sort of female best villains um Mm. in our video game movie roster um but she's sort of like you know she cackles she screams like a banshee she whips her hair back and forth. But that's about it. And I think like it doesn't help that her costume is sort of... Very on, bad. Is on the kind of cosplay side of things. She's almost kind of like Disney villain kind of vibe. She's almost there, but I think, I think, I think the film holds her back and maybe taste also holds her back. I don't know. I wonder if when we talk about sort of OTT performances and when we celebrate these sort of performances we often use the descriptive they knew what film they were in yeah and I don't think she is actually trying to play it up I think she is trying to be a sinister villain even with that stupid ass line there's a difference between sort of knowing and not knowing and I think first Mortal Kombat movie has a lot of humour in it yeah this film just has like quips and wisecracks, but it doesn't have anything else. And it kind of, the first film knows it's sort of ridiculous, but plays it straight. You know, you do have the Johnny Cage character sort of commenting on things and sort of being like, what the hell's going on? In this, you have Jax, and I just don't think he does that as well um, well, as Johnny Cage. He's just complaining. And I... (laughs) And I'm sorry to keep getting complaining about this, but I think whenever Johnny Cage quips, you know, there's a bit when Johnny Cage asks Liu Kang to move his luggage, mistaking Liu Kang for like a port dude. <laughs> but um, Liu Cage and Liu, Liu Kang then throws suitcases into the water, and Johnny Cage just says, Oh, thank God I didn't ask him to park my car. And that's like, he's just amusing. He's not moaning, oh my God, my poor suitcase. And like, it's the end of the fucking world, Jack. Just (laughs) like, get your priorities straight. Yeah. And it's so, he's even weirder when Raiden's like, you know, you're you're a great man, even without your arms or your power. And like, oh my God, he's insufferable with (laughs) powered arms. He'll be even worse without them. Yeah, he is a bit self-centred because at the end of the film, it's like, that was the worst week of my life. And Sonia's like, that could have been the last week of your life. Yeah. And like, oh, and like, they, the film ends with everyone being brought back to life apart from Johnny Cage. 
even like Sindel gets brought back. Yeah, I think, I think Sindel is there. Are there are some fun stuff that she does, but it's just I don't know swamped by just the general mess of the rest of the film. And I think when it gets kind of into backstabbing and betrayal and Shao Kahn's great trick and <laughs> all this sort of stuff, it's just like there's this middle portion of the film where I just completely lose interest because it's just you know these big states like Raiden relinquishing his immortality for reasons yeah, uh, I love to get a haircut he triumphantly arrives uh with the humans again and says what does he say something like be not afraid or don't give up hope by the way i've got no powers now <laughs> it's like what what how are you you're just a guy you're just james rimmer his new haircut, and it's it's given him like new horniness because like the first thing he says when he meets Jade is, "Can she fight as good as she looks?" It's just like, "Damn, Raiden, put your lightning rod away." Did he say something like "nice legs"? Was that somebody else? Um, oh no, that was Jax. Yeah, that was Jax. Nice legs for kicking. He quips. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, so we encounter Jade when Liu Kang is on his vision quest, uh, and that's where he encounters Nightwolf. And Nightwolf arrives in wolf form and tries to savage Liu Kang. He goes, pretty cool, huh? That's my animality. As <laughs> like, if, like, animality is a thing. Like he's showing off his chain wallet or something. <laughs> and then, like, Liu Kang says, if you're Nightwolf. And it's like, dude, it's a literal werewolf. The man turns from a wolf into a, I don't know. If you're really Nightwolf. And then, like, another guy shows up who looks like a wolf. Oh, right, hang on, yeah. Now I'm confused. <laughs> I like that bit when um, Nightwolf does, like, in wolf form, pounce on Liu Kang, because I think Robin Shu as an actor, does the best uh, ah, noises in cinema. Okay. He is good at taking a beat down as well. There's been a lot of times when multiple punches slash paws are hitting him, <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, usually... So he does a vision quest, and, and rather than smoking a peace pipe or something... Uh, Nightwolf throws a tomahawk at him, and he luckily gets hit, the, hit by the blunt end. I mean, he has all these visions, and then he gets interrupted by Jade. Well, like he wakes up in like a snowy forest, and he's made a little snow angel. Nice. <laughs> like he's he, he wakes up and he gets up, and there's just like this outline of Liu Kang, mm-hmm. and then like a very scantily clad Jade appears, and I think this is meant to be the second test. The first test was courage, which was basically have a bit of a nightmare second test is like oh you want to kiss me and then you don't because you want to you fancy katana instead no well it turns out later that she's not a jade goodie she's a jade baddie (laughs) and and so she was she was there she was i guess an agent of sindel to bring Liu kang there but, but what was the third test then nightwolf says three tests yeah so again in, in the trivia of IMDb, it says, well, just side note, it also says Sylvester Stallone was reportedly, ter- he reportedly turned down the role of Baraka, which I think is very, <laughs> very unfair. Like monstrous teeth? I don't know. Um, so it says, Nightwolf says Liu Kang will have to face three tests. The first is courage, but after he tomahawks Kang to put him into a dream state, he disappears, never to be seen again. And the tests are never even mentioned again. 
<laughs> and this is all ultimately so that Liu Kang learns the power of animality because that's pretty much determined as the only thing that can beat Shao Kahn. But when it gets to the final battle, they wrestle for like a minute as CGI monsters and then they both exhaust themselves <laughs> and they then fight like normal people again. So it was like a complete waste of time. Just that's when the Elder Gods show up and they're basically like, this will be decided by Mortal Kombat. And by that, they mean don't turn into CG monsters. Yeah. I also, because it's a weird thing, but it annoyed me how Liu Kang's animality was a Western dragon. So he looks like he could have been Pete's dragon or something. I don't know. I I just, I mean, he looks a bit gargoyly. I gave you that. I just feel like he would look more like one of those lovely thin Chinese I mean, he should look like the dragon in the logo, Mortal Kombat, because on the box of Annihilation... that would have been amazing. On the Mortal Kombat Annihilation box, the logo has like a dragon bursting out of the stone symbol. In a real, this shit gets real in this film. And then we're presented with this. (laughs) (laughs) And Shao Kahn turns into some sort of Hydra? Like, like three monster dragon, like a king Ghidorah. Yeah, like what kind of animal is that? I guess it comes somewhere from Outworld. I mean, what the would kids your... love him? <laughs> what would your animality be? <sighs> um, I'm gonna say swan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful swan. People usually say I'm like a swan because I look very graceful, but there's a lot going on underneath. When I'm no, I'm like a swan because I'm a vicious bastard, and I'll peck <laughs> you if you get close. I think I'd be some sort of woodland creature, maybe like a kind of stoat. Oh, I saw a video of a baby. Would you be a baby stoat? That's a cute. <laughs> Only if it was an animality and a babality. I mean, what would happen is like you'd um you'd turn into a baby stoat and Shao Kahn would be like, oh, <laughs> and then you'd come up close and he'll stroke you. And then, you know, you know what? I'd bite I'm his not... knees. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, he'll just say, you know what? Because of stoats, I won't invade the earth <laughs> in six days. I mean... This film, it says it takes place over six days. It really doesn't feel like six days. And I'm also like wondering, why does it need to be six days? It seems to be all supporting of this, you know, Judeo-Christian interpretation of the creation of the world. But in reality, why? I, I think he's just a poetic soul. It's got a nice ring to it. Six days? Why not a week? Monday, I'll invade you on Tuesday. <laughs> we were making love on Wednesday. <laughs> so that's from that pop song. Thursday to... and Friday and Saturday, I'll chill on Sunday once Outworld takes over Earth Realm. You know, I told you before we started recording how I sometimes laugh at something which I don't understand. What you say, <laughs> that's one of those times. It's uh, David. <laughs> I see. I mean, so the middle portion of the film, there's just more sort of fist fights. This mud wrestling bit, did you like that? <sighs> that felt a bit like for the dads. That felt like the kind of hardest fight because that was definitely filmed, as I say, in like a quarry in Wales in some mud, not on kind of a sound stage where they could have maybe not like slipped up a lot and hurt themselves on, you know, actual rocks. <laughs> so I felt very sorry for. I think also Sonia and um, Melina. That was like I think the most dynamic fight because Melina appears like from we see her POV rushing at Sonia and in front of the camera are like two sighs which like she splits apart and I'm like oh my god she's about to get stabbed in the ears or something 
but then it ends with what I described as the worst 30 seconds of my life, where like a CGI monster in full daylight appears uh, out of like... And like a totem a or something? totem face monster to cocoon, and then Jack's kind of... He starts punching its leg. Starts punching its leg, <laughs> and then... Jack's then hits him in the head, and it just right. retreats back into the totem. Yeah, he actually does beat up that giant monster. Okay. But it was still crap. <laughs> a metal armed man beats a monster so hard that he decides to retreat back into Outworld, and it's kind of shit. <laughs> like I said, it's one of my, I call it a golden turd, where I acknowledge it's quite bad, but I just think um, this state of perpetual confusion, <laughs> I sort of, they, I kind of enjoy. They had to fill a runtime, basically, didn't they? And there was not enough story or script. That unlike a tournament structure of the first film, there's just sort of vague threats, which we never see the we never see Earth being invaded. It's just they're just all walking to a place and they fill up the time with some fights. It's basically like going to like a Universal Studios tour at Disneyland and just seeing people cosplaying as your favorite characters, and like the next one's at twelve o'clock. Come see. Yeah, if there was a Mortal Kombat stunt fight show at Universal Studios or something. I mean, there have been Mortal Kombat live shows, and I watch the videos of those all the time. <laughs> and I'm still All the time? <laughs> all the time. I'm watching one now. Pretty, uh, pretty tough crowd you hang with. Yes, they are. <laughs> that is just a preview of the show that you'll be able to catch, and it is coming into the Southland. It's called Mortal Kombat. Um, let me, uh, first of all, start by uh, having you introduce yourself and, and, and the cast of characters behind you here. My name is Shang Tsung. All right. And starting over here. Sub-Zero to my left. Kano. Scorpion. Sonya Blade. Liu Kang. Baraka. And Cabal. Tell us a little bit about the show and, and what do you expect kids to get from this? I mean, the video's already come under a little bit of criticism for some of the violence. This is a pretty wild act. Uh, yes, it is. The show is based on a martial art aspect of the video game, Mortal Kombat. And it's already been to a movie, and now we're doing the live tour. It's been under, the violence has always been around, but what martial arts and this show has to present is all positive messages. What sort of positive messages? Well, it helps children be able to be uh, con concerned about violence and the difference between martial arts and violence. It helps them to be positive. It helps them to be able to... Um, um, to be able to overcome any obstacles which is in their life and to be able to attain goals, it, it helps them to commit to um, good things in their lives. And the show has also joined forces now with the uh, National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Readathon, uh, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, we're definitely uh, proud to be part of uh, MS and to help combat it. And uh, we do that through the proceeds that we make at the live tour, as well as with this program of readathons that uh, that we're doing, and this helps spread awareness and helps to uh, overcome illiteracy. Okay. But they also loved your idea last week. We are talking about turning the Harry Potter studio tour into a, a Mortal Kombat experience. Yeah, I'd love to go to some styrofoam caverns and yeah. <laughs> see some spike pits. You know, you could like walk over a little bridge and there'd be like a spike pit underneath you. Yeah, you could walk, or they could... just like make the water green and it'd be like, oh, watch out, it's acid. And I'd believe them. I mean, watching, I know I've brought up the original film a lot in this episode, but 
at the end of that film, there's a spike pit which uh, Shang Tsung dies on, and then our heroes walk amongst them for like a final wide shot. And I'm like, oh, I really hope those are like made of plastic or something. I would hate anyone to actually fall on those spikes. But hey, if if they had a spike pit at this uh, at this theme park we've imagined now, I would happily jump on them. I'd hope they were foam, though. <laughs> no, those are not display ones, or they are display ones. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I still don't understand, like, the great trick that Shao Kahn is plotting, because he needs to lure them to Outworld, and they kind of do, and he needs to lure them. Jade is betraying Liu Kang and needs to lure them to Sindel, who then just, like, cackles and then does a little spin and magics herself away. Yeah, I have no idea what the motivations are for like all of these people. I'm just like, it's it's very. I mean, it does lead to Lou trying to save Katana, and here comes Baraka, or at least the Tarkatans. I think is the species we talked about them previously. Yeah, like... But there's like a bunch of Barakas wearing like Halloween rubber goblin masks. Yeah. They look pretty scary, but I think, who has scary masks? Because they never yeah. close their mouths or anything. This film also sort of posits that Liu Kang, like, I think when, when we first meet Jade, Jade is like, oh, do, do you fancy me? <laughs> do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> and Liu Kang says, no, my heart is set on somebody else. I never got a sense that he was, like, romantically involved or attracted to Katana. Um, this trivia, again, IMDb trivia, <laughs> says... It was decided that no romance was going to be added or used in the first Mortal Kombat film. But if you pay close attention in the second Mortal Kombat film, during the travel sphere scene when Liu Kang and Katana must use... Sorry, grammar's not so good here. <laughs> um, in this scene when they're in the sphere, uh, you'll see the, they use their bodies to manoeuvre the sphere while holding on to it. At one point during the scene, uh, Katana tells... Liu Kang to hold on to her, which he does, and you can see a faint smile on Katana's face, giving the impression that she is attracted to Liu Kang. So, case wow. closed. Someone was, like, paying attention to the surface yeah. level of this film. That's not trivia. That's Talk just... <laughs> that's in there for a reason. It's a meet-cute. When, when did you first meet my mum? In a big metal ball. But they're, you know, they're arm in arm at the end of the first film. Yeah. There's clearly a connection already established. Yeah, I guess so. She she did seem to tell him to use the element which brings life. He throws a bottle of water at Sub-Zero, which conveniently turns into an icicle point. Like, if I have a, water tends to expand when you throw it. Anyway, I'm not meant to be picking holes in the earlier film. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. There's clearly lots of, like, plot holes and things that don't make sense in this film. But it's almost just like not inviting you to even try and grapple with what it's trying to do or say. It, it's just so unengaging. <laughs> like, I really cannot be bothered to work out what rules were broken, what the Elder Gods' real plan are, because Raiden's like, the Elder Gods must have lied to me. And it's just like, okay, so, like, what does that mean? Why I should I care? I liked how they were elemental, the Elder Gods. So there was a fire one and like a water one. I couldn't work out if Shinnok was supposed to be an Elder God in this. Yes, because he's he's, we're told Shinnok is Raiden's father. And Raiden said my father was an Elder God. So 
But what we only ever elements? see elements. Well, I guess he's meant to be the wind one. Yeah, because Raiden becomes an elder god at the end, and he looks like farts. And because when the elder gods do appear at the end in human form, it's the watery one and the fire one, and then Shinnok in the middle. Mm. So there's only three, is what we're meant to. There's only three elements. <laughs> <laughs> the famous phrase, the three elements. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Earth was on holiday. Uh. Yeah, because then once Liu Kang defeats Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat, Shinnok gets turned into a bunch of blocks and folded up. He gets kind of ten- like what, like Zod or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say he gets sent to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, you know, I guess that's there's like DC Universe versus Mortal Kombat. It's a game, so I'm assuming that's how Shinnok from Mortal Kombat Annihilation enters the game. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Um, yeah. I don't think I've got much more to say to you. We're, <laughs> we're kind of like grasping at straws a little bit here. Yeah, and Raiden yeah, gets um, promoted to Elder God, like um, the director of this film promoted from the, from the first film. I mean, what did Raiden actually do? Got a haircut. But they gave him the haircut. He's like... <laughs> look, look, okay, seriously. So Raiden, okay. So, Shao Kahn appear. I want to see how Raiden earns his... his promotion uh raiden see shao khan has arrived tries to attack shao khan is immediately defeated and like it's so weird like shao khan's not a god i mean he's the we find out he's the brother of raiden so i guess he's at this equivalent power level of raiden but raiden immediately gives up and then decides we're going to hide in a cave and i'm going to tell you where to go i'm going to go and complain to management, I'm going to be a, <laughs> like a godly Karen and complain, and then the old elder gods shrug, and they say, "Well, you know, we, you do love humanity enough to lose your immortality," and he goes, uh, "Yeah, I guess." He, he, but he has enough god power left in the in the tank to open a portal to escape to Outworld, and. Then there's like a. He, they use the portal to escape from Sindel, who's destroying a temple with her massive mouth powers. And the <laughs> massive mouth powers are going to move strictly on. And then there's a line, like a moment later, where they've been followed by Sindel. And somebody says, they must have followed us, but they couldn't have followed them through the portal. Jesus Christ. And then. <laughs> what does Raiden do again? He doesn't. Uh... At the end, he basically sacrifices himself. Well, I say sacrifices himself. He dies. Yeah, he gets defending. Just attacked. He basically says he rejects the offer to rule all the realms, right? And, and saying thinks, like, "Come I, join the family." I couldn't defeat him when I was a god, but I'll try and defeat him when I'm like a weak ass man. But it's because he's defending Earthrealm, and he says like, you know, these humans, they are my family. And he gets killed, and he says, "I am proud to die immortal like right. you to Liu Kang." And they then made Johnny Cage a god, <laughs> the god of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it was basically well, who's still left alive that has kind of godly-ish powers? I uh, Raiden. <laughs> we need three people know. in the temple. I mean, I think we said this when we finished watching the film, the last film the end of that film puts hairs on your chest and your knuckles and everywhere. It makes you so excited to watch the new film. 
And this one kind of ends with everyone like just happy and walking away, you know, like a cartoon or something. And they said, well, we'll give Raiden something to do. I don't know. It just kind of peters out a bit like this episode <laughs> of the podcast. I think it's just, yeah, there's just very little to hold on to for this film. Like like I said, there's there's fun stuff a couple of times. <laughs> um, you know, Ooh. there's like some... That's the stuff. There's like some off moments which, you know, you can have a bit of a cheap bad movie ha-ha laugh about. Some of that stuff is intentional. Some of that stuff is unintentional. I think the bit where Jade gets eaten by a CG demon and then the demon just burps afterwards <laughs> is like, uh, just, you know, it's meant to be funny or is it? It's sort of... I'm now, like, I'm even talking about it. I'm wondering how how long does it take for a burp to come out when you're eating? Has anyone actually done that? I've oh, only yeah. ever seen animatronics do it <laughs> or CG creatures do it. There's a lot in here. You could very comfortably do a five-minute supercut of Mortal Kombat Annihilation is such a bad movie, which I'm sure there are plenty of YouTube people who've done that already. But it's... Uh, I wouldn't say it's a slog to get through, but there really just... There isn't much going for it for, like, most of the movie. I think as bad as it starts there's at least just a lot of what the fuckery to enjoy mm-hmm. and the ending there's at least some strobe lighting and pumped up <laughs> pumped up music to get you it's, going gosh it's like me at a as a school disco it's like we've got strobe lights <laughs> we've got dry ice i'm happy yeah that's what this film has just strobe lights and dry ice yeah it just gets bogged down in there's almost too much plot in this film. For a film with no plot, there's almost too much of it. Because every... It's split into three, and every thread has its own little mini-plot, but none of them seem to be actively involved in saving the world, maybe? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Again, I can't even describe why I don't find this as awful as its reputation is, because we've certainly not convinced ourselves talking about <laughs> it. But... Yeah, as I said before, I think it's just my my sort of deep love of the franchise, and <laughs> I think dot dot dot. I think it it gets by on a lot of Saturday morning cartoon plotting and aesthetics, and I think if its attempt was to make a live action GI Joe or a live action mask or any one of those kind of things, then it sort of succeeds on that front in terms of aesthetics and tone and character and that it's just a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of people like cackling while lightning strikes behind them, a lot of quips. Yeah. And just I like if you, if you animation think... which looks like, well, I say animation, but fights that look like just animation loops over and over that you've seen before. So there is something comforting yeah. In that. No, you're right. I think thinking about it, even though I saw this, I think I might have been about 15 or something. When did this come? 97. Yeah. I, I feel like this would be quite liked by the very young, because even though it makes no sense, all these characters showing up, kids like colours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, we, we're kind of watching this in the background on uh, mute, and, you know, ninja robots are showing up, and. Yeah, we there's a there's a lot to see, but um, 
Not much to do. That doesn't make any sense. You have to do something watching a film. Not Des- much to think about. Describing characters and fights makes it seem like it would be like the craziest film ever. And in a, in a sense, there is a lot of crazy stuff in this, but it's just so kind of flatly presented. And I think that's the main problem. The fact that you sh- should say, oh, this soldier with bionic arms is fighting a centaur. <laughs> It would be better. You'd sort of think like, okay, yeah. That sounds centaursome. But the reality is just is is just kind of uh, dull. (laughs) Your blood flows, Khan, just like the blood of a mortal. Father, how can this be? I warned you there would be consequences for breaking the sacred rules. I did not expect this. Must I do everything for you? The fate of the universe will be decided as it should be. Immortal Combat! So, strong recommend from <laughs> us two for Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm repeating myself now, but if it's... It, you know what you're getting. It's very... I mean, it's very, very bad, but I still kind of enjoy it for some reason i think i've definitely seen a lot worse on the podcast i've seen a lot more boring movies i've seen a lot more movies which frustrated or annoyed me or disappointed me with this film i think yes it was disappointing at the time but you know time plus tragedy equals comedy is that what the expression is so i i think it's just like anything that annoys me about this film I've made my peace with it a long time ago. So now it just sort of like goes in one ear and out the other <laughs> in many respects. So yeah, I, I, like I said, it still holds some residual fondness, but yeah, I'd be happy living out the rest of my life, not watching it again. And I look forward to my next watch, <laughs> wherever that's going to be. I guess we there's, there's another Mortal Kombat film in production, the sequel to the 2021 film. And they're gonna, I guess, cast another emperor, and you know, Christopher. Another Johnny Cage. Another Johnny Cage. I was just thinking of who might be a good Shao Kahn. I always want to say John Cena when I need any sort of muscly man. Like they've just announced a new Duke Nukem film, and John Cena was like chasing that for some time, but now he's got his peacemaker role. I wonder if he's uh, interested in that anymore. But. Um... It's not going to be Christopher Walken because he's the Emperor in Dune 2 now. So Sorry, I thought you were thinking Christopher Walken as Duke Nukem. <laughs> Christopher Walken as Duke Nukem. He could do it. He could do it. It'd be a very different interpretation. But yeah, I mean, we'll wait. It remains to be seen if Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the best or worst Mortal Kombat sequel. <laughs> so we'll be there next time. But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games and film? You can visit our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast, where you can find more information about the podcast, about us, and about video game movies, as well as links for you to be able to support the show. 
We are on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at GamesOnFilmPod. You can also contact us by email, GamesOnFilmPod at gmail.com. And all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it Acast, be it Spotify, be it Apple Podcasts, indeed anywhere. So please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this podcast and this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, we're sending Mortal Kombat Annihilation back to Outworld until the next generation of fighters, (laughs) which may or may not be us again. Back to Room 101 being this episode 101. Indeed. So until then, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.